Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Ta-da. All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Jeremiah Sarkat. He's the director of partner sales at Keep, formerly in Futusoft, and he's earned the nickname Shark for his smooth yet relentless sales approach and results. Jeremiah ranks first in all-time sales revenue generated for Keep, plus he's helped over 3,000 businesses automate and grow. He subsequently built a sales methodology called Selling to Serve, being used by numerous businesses and partners to hit multi-million dollar levels. So I've asked him to join us here today to share his story and help us all improve our sales efforts. So Jeremiah, how you doing, man? Good, Daryl. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's great to get to know you too, brother. It's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. I love your energy. My girlfriend, every time she uses your voice, she's like, is that, is that Tony Robbins? And yeah, anyway, it's just an honor and a pleasure. We've got a lot of mutual friends. But really, before we dive into like the nuts and bolts of clearly what you're an expert at, I want to know, how did you get started? I always like to know how people got into this. Do you come from an, a family of entrepreneurs or like how? Yeah. Great question, brother. I actually don't. I was doing some different stuff. I was in education, educational sales admissions, and I was working for a couple of the larger for-profit universities in, in the country. And then I went and worked for my alma mater, Arizona State. ASU, the Sun Devils, and helped them launch their, their online program. But a lot of my friends were, were at Keep, Infusionsoft, yeah, and then they just kept really hounding me, somewhat harassing me to come down there and check out uh, <laughs> the software and the team, and I finally did, and the rest is history. I'm glad that I did that. That's fantastic. So in your progress, you know, has it always been a focus on sales? Has that really been, or did you try different things, or... Yeah, great question. I, I've always, I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. That was my goal. And then I wanted to go to law school and, and pursue like a, like a sports agent, this, the agent side of it. I wanted to be a sports agent. I was a former college soccer player. Really? So I had a lot of athletes and yeah, high level, high level athlete friends. And it was something I was thinking about doing. And then I, I saw that I had a little bit of debt accumulated from, you know, taking a little bit longer than I should have in, in school. I was on the five-year plan. So kind of got my stuff together, graduated with honors, got out of there and realized law school probably wasn't in the cards right now. So go work, you know, and the first job that I found was actually in that for-profit space of, of, of higher ed. But I had done sales previously when I was, you know, kind of growing up through adolescence. I was working for a company called Cutco Cutlery. They're a great American co- company. They do cutlery knives they're expensive nice right, knives right, right. right yeah so i would Dude, go one, door, one thing tonight i was one <laughs> yeah so i would go door to door daryl and and you know sell and that's how i learned how to really manage my business how to create relationships how to get referrals yeah 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 you know we've had a ton of experts on this show and it really seems i mean right now at the time it's recording you can't necessarily go door to door because of the pandemic but door to door sales it's just it's like it's tough to find something that gives you the, you know, the same skills and background as that, you know, like, how did that go for you? I mean, was it just the the immediate success right out the door or, you know, or did you have to learn some things, you know, or? Well, it was, it was, it wasn't easy, but it wasn't like, 
I, I wouldn't canvas the neighborhood. I would get some hot leads and then try to go and, and see a couple other people if I was, you know, feeling bold, right? I'd knock on some doors, but I actually had a, a true door knocking job where we would sell. It was basically an auto shop had put together these coupon packs, you know, oil change, tires, like all of the basic stuff that you would need to do with your vehicle. But you would buy the, the coupon card at a couple hundred dollars a rate and you could use the coupons for the various things throughout the year, right? For the various services. And that was true door to door. They would literally drop you off in an apartment complex, you know, three or four guys and you would go and hit the whole you know, apartment complex and they'd come back and pick you up. So what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced like in developing your career? I mean, it obviously it takes a while to get your 10,000 hours type thing and, you know, figure out methodologies that work. Uh, good question. I think probably the hardest thing for me, and I see it with most salespeople is like self-awareness, understanding who you are, what drives you, your why, right? And then, you know, making it about your customer, I think salespeople make it about themselves too much and their wants and their needs. And it's, it's gotta be the reverse. So once I realized kind of how to get out of my own way, so to speak, and make it about the customer, it really changed for me. Got it. So let me try to say, make sure I understood properly. You mean like the, the sales reps take it personally and they're, you know, they're really interested, more interested in like how much time I've spent trying to get this account and, and like, you kind of like, they want something, they want a Rolex or they want a car or they want to do this and they want to do that. But it's like, what does the customer want? Place those needs before your needs and you actually get what you want at the end of the day. You get the byproduct. Oh, you know, it's, it's removing those, those wants coming from a place of congruency, a place from, uh, of abundance for scarcity. I think right. a lot of the salespeople come across as needy, right? They need to say like, I have a quota. They hit like, nobody cares about your quota sales guy. What can your product do for me? Yeah. 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 I got that. We're, we're changing countries. And I asked a couple of questions and there's like four, you know, I think one of them got like 25 replies, but there's four or five people. All they did was just spam it, like buy my shit, you know, like buy my, and it's like, bro, I, I opened this, like give you perfect opportunity to open a conversation with me. I just replied. I was like, I think you'd have better odds and success if you actually started talking to people versus just spamming them to buy your stuff. Like that was, I was really like, Hey, I've got a visa agency. Yeah, that's great. I can Google one, but that, I have a question I need to answer first. So how do you, how do you help your team in that get into that mindset and that state of existence type thing? Like, how do you, how do you detach from the fact that you got bills to pay and kids to feed and well, you, you got to talk about it and you got to catch your, your teammates in, in those states, right? Don't talk about it, right? You're missing that opportunity to help them change their mindset, to help them change their belief, their patterns, some pattern interrupt here. And if you could do this, you know, that's what true leadership is. It's, it's not managing somebody, you're leading them. There's a difference between leadership and management, right? You know that you're, yeah. you've got this and that. So like, so there's the fine line there of, Hey, hold on. I need to put my leadership hat on here and catch that and address it before it boils and festers. Right. And then that's where as a leader. You're not going to be as effective helping that employee. Right, right, right. Now, how would, what would you recommend to someone that's starting out or struggling? Like if, if they're just, you know, a sole proprietor, or even if they're a small team, two, three people, like where, how do they, what are some of the issues that they should look to try to diagnose? It, it kind of varies, I think, across the board. I think a lot of small business owners are struggling, you know, wearing too many hats in the business, doing too many things. They, they need help. 
And that comes through people. It doesn't always have to be like a full-time employee. A lot of small businesses can't afford to take that jump right away. But a lot of that relief, right, could come from a joint venture, could come from network, somebody in your network that could provide some assistance. So I, I think scaling, scaling with people is a challenge. You know, I think, you know, believing in themselves as a leader is also a challenge, like understanding their capabilities. I think a lot of small businesses that, that we work with are frantic a bit. They're lacking some confidence, right? They're not able to make long-term decisions or short-term in their thinking. So kind of freeing, freeing people up, I think is, is really what I'm, I'm tasking my team to do. Free these small business owners up so they can, they can see, they can be visionary. They can get up over the business again. And again, usually that comes through division of labor. You got to get some help. Who's helping you in the organization? Right. So it's like you got to buy, borrow, beg for something like the resources you need and figure out a way to partner with people, share, you know, share staff, share resources, find a way to try and get it to where it needs to be, I guess. So that way you can. So what's the focus then? Like you said, you've talked to, I mean, I'm working with Keith. You've talked to thousands of business owners. So are there typically like a few buckets? Like you already kind of mentioned some, forgive me if I'm kind of rephrasing the same question, but what are the kind of categories that they struggle with? I think there's six things specifically that I try to impact. And this is maybe more of a recent focus. The last couple of years, I've, I've, I've seen this. I've identified these six, these six things, if you will. I call it a shark six pack. So one would be division of labor. We've been harping on that a bit. You, you've got to grow your business with people. You can't scale any other way. Like, you just can't. Like, and if you want to have a small business, that's fine. You could be a solopreneur. There's space for you there. But most people that I work with don't want that. They want to get off the, the grind, off the treadmill, so to speak, and stop you know, wearing 15 different hats, spinning 20 plates in their, in their business. So division of labor. Number two is sales process and specifically buyer's journey. You have to know your avatar, your, your clientele inside and out. You have to know them intimately. And then you have to carve and craft your, your sales process around your buyer. They don't need to fit into your process. You need to fit yours around theirs and their style and their buying, you know, personality. So that's critical. I've seen a lot of, of amazing products, business owners that get, don't figure that sales process and that buyer's journey out and they're not as effective. They're missing the boat. So three would be events. I know COVID and the pandemics really changed the event space, but virtual events now and physicals coming back. So it's huge for small business owners to show up at these events, network, educate themselves, develop, but also hold these events. They don't need to be huge in structure. You know, do a lunch and learn a couple of times throughout the year, or you're getting 20, 30, 40 people together in a room. Again, your avatar and you're educating them and providing value and building trust. And a lot of that is lead generation. And then you can sell obviously from the event. And then the, the fourth piece would be the fourth, the fourth piece is content, content, content in the form of case studies, because the consumer today is saying, I don't want to be sold. They've always been saying this, but they're saying this more so because of technology. They're educated. They know more than they've ever known in, in, in the life of the consumer. You can study the history of the consumer. There's been science and data, a lot of research done on this. So they're educated more than they've ever been. They don't want to be sold. They want value and they, in the case study, that user material, the use cases is amazing for the sales process. 
it's tre tremendous in advertising plus you and then that would be the, the fourth piece is going to be you know you have to do an ad spend for yourself small business owner you have to show up and it doesn't have to be maybe facebook maybe that's not the medium for you maybe it's a mix of linkedin ads facebook instagram you know local directories so on and so forth but what's your mix what's your advertising mix what's your budget and then the last one would be strategic partners and you might say sharp you could rank strategic partners higher up the list and i would probably agree with you the strategic partners are people that influence your business with you know referrals monetary assets and then thought knowledge it could be somebody that just helps you grow personally. Maybe they haven't developed a, a sentence your organization through referrals, but they're giving you a shoulder, right? They're giving you a, a heart and a brain to bounce ideas off of and so on and so forth. So that would be my six pack. And those are the things that I think a lot of small businesses and businesses in general struggle with. Yeah, those are fantastic. So, and I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. So just to recap for people, it was division of labor. The fact that you need people to grow, you can try to automate things as much as you need, but at some point you need, you know, somebody sitting in a seat, you know, doing something. It's going that make... grunt work so you can be up over the business, really. Yeah. Yeah. Closing yeah, yeah. or doing the PM yeah. role. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, there's a sales process, which is really about knowing your buyers and then their journey and their, their reasons why they buy. Just talking to people, you know, the face-to-face, kneecap, kneecap, kissing babies, yep. shaking hands or virtually. The third one you said was events. So not just going to events to network, to educate yourself, but then hosting events, using events as part of your marketing to generate leads, right. to kind of create a scarcity. Like, Hey, this is happening this day, this time. If you're not there, you miss out. Cause otherwise, right. It, it just, it's a forcing function, I think. And you gave a great goal of 20 to 40 people, you know, start hosting events. I actually decided a new client last night and they're doing that. They have an event they do every 60 days. They do a workshop. Nice. And that's exactly so it's exactly what they're doing. They're like, we try to put 20 to 60 people in there every 60 days and, you know, and then they upsell from there and it seems to work great for them. I love that you said the content and especially case studies. So content, it's just about being in front of people, I guess, in, in a non-salesy way. You know, yeah. case studies are fantastic. I want to talk about case studies in a second, share the point of that, that might help people listening. Nice. Well, I think that's fantastic. The next one was advertise. You got to advertise your business. So what was his name? They did a movie about him. Hugh Jackman was the guy, the circus guy. The, oh, the, uh, the British showman. Yeah, he wrote a book in the back. And I, one of them was, it's on my phone, but I don't want to be on my phone right now. It's under a book. But it's, it's I forget his name now, but he, P.T., was it P.T. Barnum? P.T. Barnum, yeah, there you go. P.T. Barnum. Well, he's got a book on business success. And one of it's like, advertise your business. Like you just, you got to advertise. If you don't, advertise, you know, and even Gary V or one of his mastermind videos way back is like, everyone needs to be producing 10 times more content, but 80% of your focus needs to be on the ads that are driving your sales. You know, it's like, well, think about it too, that he's old school, right? My goodness. And yeah. think about how polluted the, the communication channels are now we're getting bombarded and censored. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you got to show up small business owner. You got to show up on somebody's feed. They got to find you. Yeah. It'd be time to strategic, and strategic partners. There's, there's never been a faster way to grow a business that I know of that strategic partners, you know, like one person's built an audience. Like I always say there's three ways to get traffic. You can buy traffic, you can borrow traffic and you can build traffic. So buy it, pay to advertise, borrow it. It's kind of what we're doing. You're borrowing my audience. I'm going to borrow your yeah. audience off your name and you build it. Like, again, I got this podcast. I've been building audience over time, you know, your social media following. So I, I really love that. 
If I wanted to share something though, because we last year I spent 50 grand on research on some of the things that helped move the needle for small and medium sized businesses. And it was because I was advertising and I had case studies and Google shut down my ad account and said, because my case studies were too fantastic. And I got upset because I'm like, what the hell is the point in having, like, I could give you their phone. I said, I was like, I can give you their phone numbers, call them. They, These they, are real guys. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, we don't have time to fact check everyone. And I said, well, what is the point of having a video testimonial if you're going to say that it's too fantastic? So I actually started looking into the tiers of evidence and like, what is like, what is quality proof? Right. So some of the things that I come up, um, I can't seem to load it right now, I guess because I'm streaming, but there's basically tiers. And so when it comes to the tiers of quality evidence, at the very bottom is expert opinion. Expert opinion is the lowest tier of at least the scientific evidence. Like we're talking about vaccines a lot now and clinical trials. You hear that a lot in the news, the media. And what does that exactly mean? The bottom is expert opinion because it's hard to differentiate and separate who's an expert or not. You know, there's also endorsements and that sort of thing. So at the bottom is expert opinions. Then you've got personal accounts, testimonials, reviews. Above that are endorsements and certifications. Above that, you have case studies. And a case study is actually really fantastic, but most people aren't doing case studies. They're doing expanded testimonials. A case study, the way it should be done, if you want to be super scientific about it, you make, it's called a preprint. If you're doing it in a journal, basically you're making a declaration before the events ha unfold. Hey, this mm -hmm. is who we've got. This is what we're planning to do. This is how we're planning to do it. And then you record, nice. document the process as it goes. And then on the back end, then you publish a report of what happened. How a lot of people do case studies, they're just, hey, we had this client, they got good results. Let's do a case study. And they do an in-depth interview. But that's what I had done. And that got me, you know, it got me like Google slapped or whatever. And so that's just something I wanted to share with people because I think it's really important because the B2B spaces can be easily polluted. I always try to really bet people before they come on my show. Clearly, that's why I want people like you and the other guests I've had here. Above case studies are cohort studies, and that's where you have a group of people and it's similar, but a case study is just like one person. So again, you have to make the declaration in advance, right? You have to explain, this is what we did, this is what our plan was, document it as it goes, and then recap on that. And of course, the, the highest level is a randomized control trial where you've got your people mm, yeah. in the control room. So in terms of like quality evidence and how, like, you know, an academia and, and just being legitimized in terms of your credibility. I think what you said about case studies is fantastic, but I am seeing on a national scene that different, like at, like Facebook is a great example. Like there's a lot of people that are having issues, Facebook ad accounts getting banned and stuff. And they're yep. like, what, what gives? And so I just wanted to share that a little bit, that that was something that we came up with. And what you said fits in perfectly with that research. We actually found that there were eight success factors and that was self-efficacy, which you talked about before with the sales reps, the fact that they have to like their mindset, that they're in it for the wrong means, or they're just not being effective or productive. Strategic planning, which marketing strategy, market intelligence, which you mentioned is like hey. sales process, understanding the buyer's journey, sales strategy and skills. And I actually want to ask you to dive a bit deeper into this in a second, once I go through all eight, but sales strategy and skills is a super important one. Money management, business operating systems, that's like meeting rhythms, documentation, yeah. how you hire and train from people. And then business intelligence, which are the feedback loops. And that's where we came out with after searching, going through the entire scientific, all this, all the scientific journals that we could get access to and going through all the studies that they did. Those were the eight factors. And can you talk a bit about sales skills versus sales strategy? Because that's its own category itself. And we kind of 
like again, we found 26 meta analyses and they all had different factors and we created these umbrellas to kind of catch them. But can you speak to that? Is there a difference between strategy and skills and what are the nuances? And well, I, there is, but I think when you get granular there, strategy boils down to in a lot of ways, the, the raw numbers game. How many people do I need to contact on a daily basis to have a conversation? From a conversation where the skills come into factor more, right? How many of those people are going to become customers? So, I mean, strategy from when do I call, right? When do I email, right? Software can help with this too. You know, Daryl just opened my proposal. My software just told me that maybe I should give him a call or shoot him an email or exact saying, hey, how are you doing? Do you get a chance to look at those numbers yet? Right. So there's, there's, there's some differences there, but you know, I, I think skill for me, anybody can, can learn sales. Mindset is what I look for, right? Because not everybody has the mindset. And if you don't have the mindset, right, I can't develop the skills. I can develop skills. You can develop skills. The strategy too is something that needs to be taught. A lot of new people don't understand sales strategy, especially working in blocks of activity, for example. You know, they could work all day long and, you know, burn themselves out with no type of structure. I see that a lot with new people, new people on a sales floor, sales reps in a, in a larger organization. So burnout's a factor, but like there's, there's certain things that I learned along the way from a skill perspective that helped sharpen my game. So I think strategies first and then skills second, but you know, you can't have any of this without mindset. Mm, 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 mm. I love that. I love that because there's a lot of debates about adaptive selling, consultative selling, high pressure, you know, all this kind of stuff. But I, I and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, like I said, I actually feel like the, the principles matter and the strategy, you know, the principles guide the strategy. And then the rest is a lot of it is just the tactics. And so, right. Like, that's really helpful. Like you talk about the mind, like as long as your mind sits in the right space and you come, your program, even it's called what selling, selling to serve. It's yep. it's selling to serve. Yeah. So even if you come from that place of servitude, like it's almost like because you have that foundation, it just solves a lot of problems proactively because when you come to the conversation, you know, you're coming with the right mindset, you're coming with the right attitude. You're probably coming with an intent to ask more questions than to do more talking. I don't know if that like hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay. 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 The, the question is, you're an interviewer. <laughs> if you really want to break it down, you're interviewing your prospect. And if you take it from that type of, 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 of angle, it really, it creates a, it creates a process automatically, right? You know that you need to ask certain questions on every single call or you're going to miss it. That was what I saw when I was, when I was selling specifically at Keep. If, if I didn't fill out my, my question, my questionnaire form completely, there was a good chance that that person was going to take a while to, to sign up. If I filled that sucker out and asked all of the questions, they bought every time, literally. Yeah, I love it. I love or within it. my time frame, I, if that makes a little bit more sense, they bought every time they bought within my time frame. Yeah. So what would be kind of like a habit checklist that you would recommend to anybody that's listening to this call in terms of, you know, trying to maintain like you what you see in your highest performers? Good question. I would say structure your day. 
right? Know who you're calling and when. Have have a, a, an opportunity for for reflection training. If you can have your calls recorded, amazing. So you can listen to those, right? And then I, I would say probably, you know, the, the biggest thing is to to not get caught up in this where you're, you're taking rejection personally. You want yeses and nos. The maybes are what kills salespeople and small business owners. Like when they can't close the business yeah. with a yes or a no, like, you know, that, that you know, work for the yes and the yo and, and don't take it personally. I think that would be the biggest advice right there in a kind of a short bulleted format. No, I, I love it. I love it. I would only, I, I think it's a fantastic list. I would just, I would, I would put your questions in there. You, what you said about questions, I would put that in there. Uh, the, that's the, the flow. You're right. That would be the, probably the fourth thing. You got to have a flow that you're following. Cause that way I, at least I know for me, I, it helps, it helps with that taking it personally. Cause if you're asking the questions and you find out in the questions that it's not a fit, then you're not taking it personally. Cause you, oh, they're not qualified, you know, but then yeah, the diligence, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you got to have a flow, guys. Not a script, but a flow. Flow. And that's what I that's what I was talking about with that questionnaire form that I had. The I would have this printed out, old school style, and I would handwrite on each one of them, right, and fill each one of them out if I could, right, for the great conversation. <laughs> so I'd print off like fifty or sixty, you know, the start of the month, and I'd have them stacked up on my desk, and I'd write your name and the time that I was talking to you in the in the top right corner and. That was important to you because if I needed to call you back and I was chasing you around, I go, what time did I get him on the first call? Well, 45. Maybe I should call during lunch. I love that. I I even like the physicality of it because if you have a stack, you're like, I need to get these filled out, right? Because when you put it on a line in a computer, I mean, different things work for different people, but you put it on a computer, you close your computer, it's gone. But you got that stack on your desk, you're like, that's potential sales. I need to get and if I can get this many filled out by good people, that should turn into this much sale. And I love we broke it down like meaningful conversation. How many people do I need to talk to to have a meaningful conversation with someone who's actually qualified to buy my product or service? You know, right side of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a well, good one. I, uh-huh. I wanted to handwrite too because I didn't want to be distracted typing into the CRM. Like it created an extra step for me because I had to go back into Infusionsoft typing my notes, but they were clearer and they were better because of that step. And I was listening. I was having good conversations, right? And I wasn't distracted on my keyboard. Yeah. And especially just computer, because it's, it, it's, it's almost like a battleground. Everyone's fighting for your attention. Even when you try, you know, even this interview, I'm having pop-ups and I'm trying to hide them and I've shut, I'm like, how do I, I, I can't not, I have to shut up my internet. You know what I mean? To get right. things to leave me alone. And it's, it's so, I, I love it. I love, so undistracted. And you, I love that physicality because it was also like one of those, one of those fundraising thermometers in like public school as a kid. They fill it in as you went. Like, I feel like that t- sort of target that p- giving people that, that sense of, of progress. I just love that. So let's read some quick recap. Cause I know I want to be respectful for your time, but you said like the six keys were really having a division of labor. And, and so that we, right. You're not going to be able to scale on your own. You have to be willing to get help and try to, you know, make it realistic and burnout you said was a big thing. And so you have to respect the fact that rest, it's like silence is a part of music as much as noises. Rest is a part of work as much as working is right. Balance. Uh, Yeah. And then the sales process, understanding your buyer's journey, which really means, you know, in my language, I would say that's your market intelligence stuff that you need 
And then you do need sales skills in the sales process because otherwise if you leave people up to their own devices, they'll get back to you whenever. And then events, <laughs> using events to really create urgency, to create forcing functions to get you to like get off your butt and go like, you're not going to make any sales cackling to yourself when you're a room, right? And so- Right, lead gen, fun. sales opportunity all day. Right. And then it was content and case studies. So you want to be sharing content. And ideally, I think the point was content about your clients, ideally from your clients. So it's not necessarily you talking about yourself, but it's people sharing their experience with you or you're talking about them and, and just kind of all of a sudden showing, trying to show that you have more of a community. I just, the social proof of that is powerful. And then you just have to advertise. You got to advertise. And then you can use that material in the advertisement too. Right. Right. So yeah. it's kind of a, you know, sales process, top of funnel, but then also, you know, you could use it throughout. Yep. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm a big story brand guy, Daryl, like story sell. Now that's what the consumer wants is story. They want to see somebody like them that's taken the step and, and has done it. I love that. Yeah. And they advertise before a lot of people, instead of advertising, they just paid high commercial rent fees because the location was its own advertisement. But now. <laughs> That that's been taken off the board. People are like, how do I reach my market? And it's, you know, they, they don't advertise. They don't build a list. So you really need to advertise. And then you talked about strategic partners, which I think are fit. partners in the sense of sharing resources, sharing staff, partners in like a white label, like, hey, like I know a guy that launched uh, a Kickstarter and he just partnered with a couple of influencers and they drove the traffic. He, you know, ran the Kickstarter still, and that launched his business. You know, he did a million dollars. So Strategic partner is fantastic. And then you talked about the habits that people need in order to be successful with their sales routine daily. And that is to structure their day, to know who they're calling and when, to have a period of their day for review, reflection, ideally to be able to, to, to do some sort of training. Listen to your call. Yeah. Listen to your call and recordings. How did I do? How's right? Like, and then on top of that was, what is this? Go, oh, go habit. for yes or no. Go for yes oh, or yeah. no. Ask for the business, hundred percent, and then you added the flow, right? You got to have flow the flow. The questions. Yeah, yeah, the questions, hundred percent. The the EQ, the engagement questions. Oh, I like that. The EQ, and it all also. I mean, I don't want to shameless plug here for both you and me. That yeah. sounds like here, like it really helps to have a mentor at the same time. Like you could free try and figure this out alone in a room, all you like. Well, that's I, I put that in the strategic partner bucket. A lot of people when they hear the strategic partners, they think. Oh, somebody that's just sending me leads or business. Ah, somebody that's also there for thought, for reflection, bounce back, for, you know, hey, am I doing this right? You know, and kind of like a big brother. Yeah, that's huge, Daryl. Yeah. Well, I mean, how many people have won a gold medal at the Olympics without a coach? I just don't, <laughs> I just don't think no, that really happened. If we took two people that both wanted to win a gold medal at the Olympics for something like judo, and one's just going to be in a garage with some buddies and some VHS tapes, <laughs> and the other one's going to get, you know, three or four coaches. There's a coach. <laughs> been there and won gold medals. Both have the potential to win a gold medal, but I think it's pretty clear who has, who's going to have less heartache, less pain, less suffering, fewer injuries, fewer frustrations, fewer right, sense of overwhelm. The one that follows the coach. So, I mean, it's the perfect time <laughs> for a plug. You've got some programs, right? You have an online course. I've got it. The online course isn't done yet. It's supposed to be done here shortly. I keep getting too busy to finish this thing. I'm almost done. So the online course should be done within the next couple of months. It's it's right there. If you're listening to this, our stuff is online forever. So go check out Jeremiah, what is it? JeremiahSarket.com. Oh, JeremiahShark.com. And you can get a feel for the consulting that I do, the one-on-one work. And then you'll see the place holder for the online course that's coming. 
Yeah, jeremiahshark.com, J-E-R-E-M-I-A-H, shark, S-H-A-R-K.com. You can also look him up on social media, Jeremiah, S-A-R-K-E-T-T, Jeremiah Sarkett, I'm supposed to say shark, but now, Jeremiah, again, I want to be respectful for your time. You know, was there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you today? No, this was cool. This was a great dialogue and conversation, and I'll jump back on any time with you, Nero, if you want to do more. It's been yeah. great to get to know you. I'm thankful yeah. for Joss and the introduction. Yeah, me too. You're a good guy. So awesome. All right. Well, again, thank you for everyone that jumped in and has been paying attention. Jeremiah, I appreciate your time. I know you got to go be with your family. And again, for those of you listening, if you, you know, reach out to Jeremiah, if you've got some questions, I mean, again, anybody's accessible in a couple of clicks, you know, uh, try and figure out, do it. Was it the three types of people, those who watch things happen, those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who wonder what happened and which one do you want? <laughs> so yeah. Love that, Daryl. Nice. All right.